0: This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers.
1: Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers on a Thursday. Tim Benz with you for the first time this year with Matt Williamson as well, our pro scout, who you can hear on the drive with Dale Lally on SNR. You can also hear him on all the iHeartRadio platforms in Pittsburgh, ESPN Pittsburgh, DVE, and throughout. Our Pittsburgh Radio Empire. Matt brings you all sorts of fantastic insights. Uh, you can read them at DK Pittsburgh Sports. You can also read them at Steelers.com too, with all sorts of film and analytic breakdown for the game coming up. And he joins us once a week to always pick the games. Today, as always, we're brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app or go online to BetRivers.com. Kick off college football at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Join BetRivers every Saturday of the college football season for a 20% parlay profit boost of at least three legs. With new promotions and props every day, BetRivers is your go-to sportsbook. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Matt, a former pro and college scout. Pro with the Browns college with Pitt. It is a great college football day here in Pittsburgh to start, Matt. Uh, the Backyard Brawl, back at Ackershire mm-hmm. Stadium for the first time since 2011. The rivalry renewed. I'll be up there tonight. We had a fantastic podcast with Chris McKillop, formerly of the Pitt Panthers, yesterday. Jed Trenning, a former West Virginia quarterback and WVU's sideline reporter on their radio broadcasts. He was our guest as well from the West Virginia perspective. You were a part of three backyard brawls. Uh, what do you remember about the backyard brawl, and, and who do you like tonight?
0: Chris McKillop. I love it. I, I helped rec- recruit the uh, McKillop brothers to pit way back when. So I know the McKillop family. They were phenomenal players. That's good stuff. I haven't heard from Chris in a long time. or It's great that you had him on. So my three years at Pitt were many moons ago. I mean, back when Chris was coming out of high school, obviously, uh, that was Antonio Bryant's last year and both of Larry's years. So I think we went, I'm I'm certain of it. We went to WVU twice and they came here. And, you know, I mentioned Larry. We had Larry versus Pac-Man Jones. You know I mean? That was fun stuff. I mean, we were very equal rivals. I was in the recruiting world. And I will admit that while we lost lots of kids to Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. I only remember one in three years that chose West Virginia over us. So that was always something I was very uh, proud of. Uh, But they were battles, man. I mean, we were two really, you know, equal teams, borderline top 20 type teams. And I'll never forget going there. I mean, egging the bus, you know, kids mooning you on the way in and out, you know, like (laughs) much more so than any other environment we traveled to.
1: It's a seven-point spread tonight. Actually, it's a uh, six-and-a-half-point spread if you got in on it early like I did, and I think Pitt is the better team. Uh, Kenny Pickett leaving obviously is the huge storyline to follow mm-hmm. the Panthers. Jordan Addison a close second behind, but they've got JT Daniels making his first start with West Virginia as well. Um, I think the Panthers win, Matt, but um, you know, the, the big, the big storyline for Pitt is how do they adjust in a post-Kenny world.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I'll be glued to it. I have not really studied the college game yet. And at this stage of my career, college is really just draft prep. So I'll be ke- keep my eye on a couple of those guys, pull up some lists, but certainly I'll be rooting for Pitt. Real quick, I know the tickets are unbelievably tough to get. I mean, what percentage of Pitt versus WVU fans are you expecting? Well, you so, yeah,
1: what's the over under on uh, percentage yeah. of WVU fans, right? Well, I keep seeing all these reports where the secondary markets are saying 75% of their action are West Virginia fans. Wow. But that's the secondary market. Maybe the Pitt fans held on to their tickets for this one, you know? Like, I mm-hmm. just. I keep hearing about the West Virginia influx coming in for this game. I think it will be strong. There's lots of West Virginia grads in Pittsburgh. We know that. But I still expect it to be a majority Pitt fan base Good. at the stadium. That's my vibe anyway. Um, you know, the, With the proximity of the trip, the rarity of the game after 11 years, I bet a lot of West Virginia fans bought up the secondary market. But, again, that's the secondary market. Maybe Pitt fans held on to this one and been holding on to this one for years, you know, since the game got reannounced, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. You expect them to cover, though, it sounds like. I, mean, I, I expect them to cover.
1: That. Yeah, I just think there's more cohesion along the lines. You know, mm-hmm. they've got some good players back, especially along the defensive line. And um, if despite losing Addison and Pickett, I think Pitt wins. And the spread isn't out of control. I, I think they can cover a touchdown at home.
0: Okay, very cool. I'm excited that's, for it.
1: That's my sense. And then, of course, we'll get the first Steeler game at Accresure Stadium on the 18th against the new England Patriots. That'll be the first home game. The Steelers first game overall on the road against Cincinnati on Sunday. And Matt's going to join us weekly to break down the entire league. And we always spend a lot of time talking about the Steelers, but for the sake of today, we'll look big picture at the AFC North. We'll look big picture at the uh, Steelers and their win total and things of that nature. So let's start right there, Matt, um, the line seems to have held steady throughout most of the year for the Steelers at seven and a half as an over under. I think that's right about where it should be. Uh, My guess is they are an eight win team. So I'm going to go over on that total. I think that if they um, they they're closer to nine than they are to seven or six, that's my sense on it. When Mark and I have done these podcasts, the mad Monday podcast, he's disagreed Mm -hmm. with me there, but what do you think about that? If the Steelers are at the seven and a half line for over-under, where are you going?
0: I also am going over. I I think this is an eight or nine win football team currently constructed with this head coach and their ability to win. I have two reservations and I'm a big believer in preseason strength of schedule if done properly. Um, And the way to do it properly is the way Warren Sharp does. And what he does is he takes all the, Vegas over under win totals and figures out how hard your slate of games are and only the Raiders Rams and Chiefs have a harder schedule per Vegas odds than the Steelers so I don't see many gimmies there every week's going to be a challenge and if they don't get there if this is a five or six win team I think we're going to have a lot of conversations of boy I think Pickett, Trubisky and these skill guys are really good but I can't really tell because they can't block a soul.
1: Yeah. The offensive line has definitely failed to win over the concerns of the Steeler fan base. And I think rightfully so Matt, um, you could argue at least from what we've seen so far that Dan Moore has regressed. I didn't see that in training camp, but I'm seeing that no. in games. Um, I look at Kendrick green and I don't see him any better at guard. Dotson has remained injured. And Daniels has been the biggest question, I think, about what we're going to see, what we're going to get from him. It was universally believed that he'd be a big upgrade at the other guard spot, but we're just not seeing it right now as he replaces Trey Turner.
0: I agree with all that. He, He, to me, has been the most disappointing. I thought he was plug and play their best lineman and truly an answer at the right guard position. I'm not willing to flush these guys down the toilet, especially Daniels, to be very honest with you. They've definitely been below the line. I don't know if this recent trade or roster cuts are going to make that big a difference either. however, if you're truly objective with it, I think there's a couple things that are a, a little bit more promising than maybe some of our listeners might understand is for example, I, I thought the line was horrible against the Jags but noticeably better against the lions you know that, it, 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 I watched the first line several times and thought it was okay. I mean, it wasn't as bad as I had thought watching it initially on TV, particularly Daniels and Chukes. I thought both those guys took a, a step forward, particularly Daniels, because Chukes has actually been pretty solid. If you just isolate his play in those three games, he certainly has not been the problem. Um, and then the other note, too, is I know the Jags don't have the best front in the league, but it's a really good young group. And if that were a regular season game, no way do they leave Allen on more snap after snap after snap at left tackle. I mean, Gentry would have been parked right next to him or Najee. Like they didn't game plan to help their guys at all. They were trying to evaluate them. So it made it look worse than it would have been if that was a regular season game.
1: The over-under line is at minus 110 on either side of seven and a half. So uh, it has settled in. There's some variance throughout training camp. I think a lot of it, Matt, had to do with the reports that the quarterbacks weren't playing great, so you saw it slide a little bit, then they started to play better. Uh, After that first preseason game, it jumped way up, so that's where we've seen the variance in the over-under for the Steelers. But the bet that I like for the Steelers more than anything else is they are plus 225 if you want to go direct order of finish. They are plus 225 to be third. They are plus 650 to be second. I would love to put money down on either of those slots as opposed to betting on them to be last because they are minus 118 to be fourth in the division. And Deshaun Watson doesn't play quarterback for the Browns for 11 weeks. So I think that the Steelers, if you want to swing for the fences and go for them finishing second at 650, if you want to bet on them being third and Make a tidy plus two twenty five. I think that's smart.
0: I like that. Uh, I'm predicting the division to go Baltimore, Cincy, Pittsburgh, Browns. I would be curious. I mean, again, the, the payoff would have to be enormous. I wonder what it would what the payoff would be to win the division. But I like your safer route a little bit better because for the Steelers, it's plus
1: it's plus eight hundred.
0: Okay. I mean, the payoff's pretty nice there. I mean, if injuries beset the other teams or whatever, I think you could sneak into a division win. I mean, I'm not predicting it, obviously. But you're right about Cleveland. I'm sure we'll get to them at some point. I'm not sure people realize this, but if assuming Watson plays week 13 in Houston, by the way, like that's going to be a fun environment, that's 700 days since his last game.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. And and if you look at the games that Cleveland had um, that would have had Watson under center had his uh, suspension not been extended, mm-hmm. there are a lot of swing games in there where maybe they would have had a shot with Watson that I don't think they do now, which would suppress their win total. Whereas, you know, they're pretty light in the first couple of weeks of their schedule. they the opposite of the Steelers in that regard. There might be a game or two that they can sneak out with Brissette, but the last five games, and I'll bring up the schedule here in a minute just to run them down. As my memory serves, there are a number of games there where I would have given them a shot with Watson that I just don't now.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I I can't imagine he's going to come in and be Superman right off the bat. I mean, no practice, hadn't played in 700 days. I, I can't see the end of the season you know, going really well for him and him, you know, you know, going four and one in that stretch or anything like that. And I do recall it being a difficult slate after Houston and Houston doesn't sound tough, but man, I mean, all the away games are going to be brutal. And that's one other note I want to throw out here for these over-unders just so people realize the AFC has the extra road game this year. So, right. you know, this is something to keep in mind if you're betting overs on AFC teams.
1: Yeah, and the extra home game last year was Seattle and, you know, playing at home I do think helped them tuck that game away when they mm-hmm. won it in overtime against the Seahawks. Um all right, so here it is. I got it up in front of me now. Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, the Chargers and the Patriots were the first six games that they had without Deshaun Watson. Now it extends through at Baltimore, home for the Bengals, at Miami, at Buffalo, home for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> That's Riddle. really tough. And if you look at their win total right now, it's roughly at eight and a half. You know, there's a gap there. If you go under eight and a half, you're gonna have to pay for it at minus one fifty. If you go over, it's plus one twenty-three. Uh seven and a half. If you go under, it pays out at one forty five, over at one eighty-two. But for their direct order of finish, Matt, the third place finish is at plus one eighty. The fourth-place finish is at plus 190, so it's a fairly even split on the Browns, but it Mm -hmm. sounds like most of the money, like I said, at minus 118 for the Steelers coming in last is disproportionate to me.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I really have a tough time envisioning the Browns having a winning record, which is the only way you get the over on their win total. Uh, I mean, you mentioned some of the teams, just their style of play. They're going to have to win a lot of – 13-9 games to reference Pitt WVU, you know, I mean, and are they equipped to do it? I think this is an absolutely critical year for Stefanski, you know, and just dealing with all this emotion and distractions and on the field change. I actually think for both the Ohio coaches in the division, it's a critical year for them. And I just trust Tomlin and Harbaugh in this division a lot more than I do those two guys.
1: Matt Williamson with us. Of course, listen to him on the Mark Madden show. You can listen to him uh, on ESPN Pittsburgh, on The Drive, on SNR, and you can hear him weekly during the football season with me on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Matt, why do you like the Ravens over the Bengals atop the division?
0: I'm torn, but this is a big football outsiders thing that has really proven to be true since 1980. I mean, for a long, long time, is when a team is – well below average as Cincinnati was for so many years. I mean, two years ago, they picked Burrow first overall. The next year, they picked Chase third, I think it was. So they were a bad team. And you take that huge of a step forward, like eight out of ten times, that that team, they call it the plexiglass principle, takes another step back. You take four steps forward and you take one back. You know, like – and they were unbelievably – Fortunate on both sides of the ball with injuries. Um, They only won 10 games in the regular season last year. I mean, they weren't a a powerhouse like people think, but I do think on paper, they are obviously better on the offensive line and in the secondary, but they didn't start anybody this preseason. You know, I, I think that they could have a slow start. And frankly, I think the Steelers are getting them at a good time. You know, Burrow didn't have hardly any practice time. And I don't really trust the coaching staff. I mean. I don't feel super strong about that because I very much think they're a good team, but I think some of the injury stuff is bound to bite them. Um, Is McPherson going to win them game after game, like he did in the playoffs? Probably not. And Baltimore is the total opposite where I just unbelievably trust the coaching staff, the organization. And I reference football outsiders. I think they started in like 1982. And since then, whenever football outsiders started last year's Ravens team, was the most injured in football outsiders history. Like that's never going to repeat itself.
1: Agreed. And to your earlier point, the Bengals had an amazing run of good luck as it related to injuries. They were one of the least injured teams in recent memory. I don't expect that to continue again for the Bengals. However, the point that I quibble with by looking at the Ravens injuries last year going into this year is they're always injured. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. like the Steelers, you always look at the Ravens and Steelers and judge them by who's not playing on a week-to-week basis. It always seems like those are two of the most banged-up teams in football, maybe by nature of the way they play, maybe by nature of playing each other, maybe by nature of the division, the coaches and how they handle practice. All these things could come into play, but mm-hmm. I just I haven't been able to look at the Ravens this offseason and say, well, they're not going to be as hurt this year because maybe they are. Their mascot even got hurt. I mean, like, you know, this is this is the depth of injury that we're talking about that hangs over this franchise.
0: Yeah, it's a a strong point. And I do believe some teams like, for example, the Rams are always one of the least injured teams in the league. Maybe their sports science or preparation is better than everybody else. Maybe they've just been flat out lucky. Who knows? But there are some trends developing and Ravens injuries are one of them. But, I mean, the ch- I think they played six games without Lamar last year. And even when they were crushed by injuries at this point of the season, they were very competitive with Lamar, even with no running backs, no corners. And pr- maybe their second most valuable guy is Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle. I'm not sure exactly where he's at, too. That's a, something to really monitor. He's going to play, but I don't know if he's 100%. But anyway, the only thing I'll quibble with you with is just when you're hit so hard – at a, a specific position group. And I mentioned running back, which you could overcome, but they're a running team corner. They were playing with honestly like seventh and eighth corners yeah. on the depth yeah. chart. I mean, anyone they could get off of the street. And the reason Wink Martindale's not back at defensive coordinator is he just continued to blitz like crazy and leave those guys on island like he had Marcus Peters and Humphrey. And, you know, <laughs> it got really, really bad.
1: Well, the odds makers at Bet Rivers agree with you. The Ravens, plus 140, they're the favorite to win the division. They're at plus 175 to be second. It's plus 170 for the Bengals to win and plus 160 for them to be second. Okay. Matt, let's go to the Steelers more specifically and the quarterbacks, what you saw from them in the preseason, and do you have the expectation that and I have to phrase that any any conversation you have about the quarterbacks has to be viewed from whatever parenthetical you put onto it, right? Like, yeah. if, if the quarterback, if Mitch Trubisky starts the season and isn't the major reason why they're winning or major reason why they're losing, if they are a roughly 500 team and Trubisky isn't the biggest variable as to why, do you see him being the quarterback the whole year? Or is there enough to believe that Kenny Pickett could be a plus factor that he could move Trubisky to the bench at some point?
0: Yeah. First off, I was very impressed by, and they all three of the quarterbacks thus far in 2022 have exceeded my expectations in practice, games, the way everyone's talking about them all, the way they've handled themselves, all the above they've all exceeded my expectations. So I think it's a very positive situation right now. That being said, that's obviously going to loom over this team is when are we seeing Kenny? When are we seeing Kenny? Oh, Trubisky threw a pick, put Kenny in. I mean, I'm sure you and I will answer that question to no end all season long. Oh,
1: it'll be August for four months.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right, right, right. It'll be training
1: camp recaps for four months. It's just that the games will matter.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) I don't have a strong opinion on it. I don't think they have a plan. I don't think they're looking at it like after the bye, we'll get Kenny in there. I mean, I think they, their mindset is Mitch is a starter and we really like this young kid for the future. And um, so we know this is a patient organization. They don't make hasty decisions. I think Trubisky would have to be really bad or hurt. Of course, that's the easy out. Or maybe if they're officially eliminated from the playoffs, you give the kid a chance. You know, like Mahomes' rookie year, he only played week 17 because they had a playoff spot wrapped up and he never saw the field other than that. Right. I think that's what they'd like to do.
1: I look at it as you do, where I don't think there is a set date or plans per se to have Kenny start for sure. I don't think Mm -hmm. that exists with the Steelers. What I do see, though, Matt, is. I see some escape hatches. I see some opportunities for them to go to picket if they think the time is right. Like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: after week three, when they have a long week following Cleveland, like, and I I believe the Jets are next. Um, Like after week six, when they get through that gauntlet of their first six games that ends with Buffalo and Tampa back to back. Um, I could also see, like you said, after the bye. Mm -hmm. If you get to the bye and Mitch Trubisky is still starting, and he's not the reason why you're incredibly bad or incredibly good. Then, well, especially if he is incredibly good. I mean, you stay with him, right? I mean, I think so. Injury, yeah. Unless injury crops up and you do get a Mahomes type situation, but do you think that I'm right in that there are some markers, there are some mileposts where they could look at the schedule and say now would be a good time?
0: I suppose. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about, and I don't know if coaches think this way or not, like, let's not put them in against these really tough teams. You know, like, all the teams are tough, you know, in terms of what they throw at you mentally, you know, blitz packages, you know, all that stuff. It's not like, well, we got an easy, we got Atlanta this week. Let's put him in there. Cause he's he'll just sail right through those guys. I don't think coaches always look at it that way, or we can't play him against this front because he'll get killed and he isn't ready yet. I think it's much more on the player. And this is what we don't know is it sure looks like he has passed every mental test, every, you know, uh, two minute drill, playing with tempo, identifying coverages, but nobody's game plan for him. You know, like, does the team trust him to come to the line of scrimmage, recognize a safety blitz, change the protection, and get everyone in the right play? I mean, if you can't do those things, you really shouldn't be in a, in, in the game. And I assume he's ad- advanced with that. It sure looks that way. But he's still going to struggle. I recall you saying at
1: one point, Matt, we had an off-season conversation um, looking at Pickett, that you you know liked his accuracy, good on the move, um smart but despite all those attributes one thing you pointed to is the quick release and recognition might still need to come um did you see more of that
0: or was that better on display in the preseason than you anticipated funny you brought that up because we didn't plan on talking about this but even in practice dale and i did the drive check out the drive it's pretty cool um we were on from two to five every day they practiced and we were in a little tent overlooking the, the practice field. So basically we did play by play for almost every practice, you know, Oh, that's a great throw. You could say what you saw because there's people in the stands and trust me, I got tons of tweets about this. Williamson, can you ease up on Pickett? You you keep talking about him holding the ball too long. And so many plays in practice. I said, Nope, oh, that would have been a sack. That was a nice completion. Well, Tomlin was on him for that. You're yeah. not the only one. Right. I mean, and then Tom would yell at him, get it out, get it out. I'm like, this is an issue. And of all the top quarterbacks that came out in the draft last year, he had the longest time to throw. And I actually just pulled it up. I mean, it, 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 during his whole pit career, he was at 3.2 seconds. And last year he was even late longer than that. Because he could be. I mean, you mentioned the O-line, a uh, you know, pretty good line. He could pat the ball, wait for Jordan Addison or whoever to get open, deliver the football, and it worked. Well, he's gotten remarkably better at it. To me, that was his number one weakness. It wasn't hand size or arm strength or those type of things. And by no means do I think the Steelers want to be the team that gets the ball out the fastest like they were with Ben because we we saw how that went, and that's not how you draw things up. But he went from 3.2 at Pitt to 2.43 in the preseason. I mean, that's a pretty big sample size to be right around 2.4 seconds, which was very quick. So in the games, he processed and got the ball out very, very quickly. So I think he's made great strides with that.
1: For people who want to bet on Rookie of the Year, Pickett is still the favorite at plus 700 Brees Hall of the Jets, Drake London of the Falcons next at 800-900 respectively, and then George Pickens, the wide receiver for the Steelers, the only players who are plus 1,000 or shorter. Um, Pickens, to me, is a smarter bet.
0: Yeah, I I was going to say, I'm betting on Pickens over Pickett.
1: Yeah, because I just don't know when Pickett's going to get in there and if he's going to build up the resume to win it, even if he does play well, whenever, if ever, he replaces Trubisky. Uh, Pickens, I I think, has the maturity physically – to make an impact fast in the NFL. I think the ball is going to be distributed in a way where maybe it waters down some of his stats. But then again, you know, if De- Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, both have injury problems throughout the course of mm-hmm. the preseason. Uh, Pickens has it. Maybe he's healthy for 16 games and he puts up Bafo numbers. Uh, he was great in the first game. He was more quiet in the next two games. Some of the hype died down and the buzz died down a bit, Matt, but I still still think he's good value at plus
0: 1000. If you want to bet on a Steeler. A hundred percent. The, the key to me is th- this year sets up very well for a non quarterback. I mean, obviously quarterbacks dominate that conversation. I'm actually pulling it up. Jamar chase won it last year. Beckham won it in 2014, but there aren't many instances of a wide receiver winning rookie of the year. I mean, to Percy Harvin in 2009. So it's pretty rare. Almost always a running back or a quarterback, as you would imagine. But Pickett was the first quarterback taken. I mean, there's no Trevor Lawrence or Fields or Lance or, you know, this time last year and this time most years, you knew three, four, Mac Jones, you know, the starting quarterbacks in week one were going to be rookies. And even the running back position, you mentioned Hall he's the only one that has a real chance to be the lead ball carrier in week one. So
1: in week one, yeah, I was going to ask you about Walker and the other guy I was going to wonder about is James cook with all the touches he could get in the pass game for Buffalo.
0: Yeah. I mean, it'd be hard for him to put up huge numbers though. Like cook could really impact a great offense, but he probably won't score many touchdowns. That's Allen or they'll run it in with a bigger guy and he could help that offense a lot. But when it's all said and done, I can't imagine him putting up massive numbers. I like the player. So I think it sets up really well for Drake London or Olave or Pickens to have a better shot than usual. So I like the Pickens bet quite a bit. And maybe the key is you talked about the ball distribution, the target share. It might not be super favorable for him like a London would be. But if he ends up on Sports Center pretty consistently, I think that goes a long way in, you know, public perception. Last topic,
1: Matt looking at the AFC overall beyond the North, and we're going to phrase this very specifically of the seven teams that made the playoff tree last year in the AFC, how many are actually back
0: in it this year? Hmm. I'm very down on the Titans. And I think that counting on Henry Tannehill and injured woods trailing Burks that can't finish practice and a weak offensive line is a really fragile way to build that house. So uh, one of my favorite bets, and I know this sounds crazy and it, it's because it pays off so well is the Jags to win the that's South getting
1: some helium. I don't think that's is so it? crazy. I think the
0: betting, I got it at is, plus 700 way back when.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe it's I'll, I'll check on it right now. Yeah. But, um, when I think about teams that might not make it my eyes go to the titans pretty quickly too yeah and that's a big drop from the field but... throughout uh to fall yeah the easy division is part of it but i'm I, I don't have a lot of faith in the colts and i have no faith in the texans so like they might right. win the division anyway and i'm probably going to pick them to do that but to your point jacksonville looks like it's improving and it's done some good things in the offseason so I, I
0: wouldn't rule it out um yep, yes. like would you so would you pick the jaguars then to win that division I'm not picking them. I'm picking the Colts. But if I can put down a dollar and get seven in return, I like that bet. It is plus
1: 700 still to win the South. Um, yeah. Third place is their direct order of finish. They are favored, actually, and it's negative money. Minus 106 to finish third. And uh, is, for a team as bad as Jacksonville to be plus 375 to finish last, that shows you what people think about the Houston Texans. Um, yeah, yeah. But, all right, so aside from uh, Tennessee, like who who else in the AFC is actually back in it this year that was in it last year?
0: Well, I think there's some obvious ones that are going to have a difficult time going to the postseason again is Tennessee. I threw out there, they were the one seed, but I really don't think the Patriots and especially the Raiders and Steelers were playoff caliber teams last year and they all went to the postseason. Um, the Raiders and Steelers had major... Um, negative point differentials you know like chances of them getting back in are probably slim and the Raiders schedule and division is unbelievably difficult the AFC is so much better than the NFC I mean teams like Denver and the Chargers and the Ravens didn't go last year and they're all very good football teams
1: that's where I was considering seeing a lot of upheaval is the wild card slots. And mm-hmm. like, do you see that? You said that the Ravens win the division. Do the Bengals hold on to a wild card? You think?
0: I like their chances, but I think only one team comes out of the South. I tend to think only one comes out of the East. So the Dolphins are another team that could find themselves in there this year. They could. They could. Uh, there's a group, but that's funny. Because, I mean, it's total coincidence. But I did power ranks yesterday on peacock and williamson and i had the steelers um, dolphins and raiders all right next to each other and think that they're all right in the middle of the afc i think they were like 16 17 18 in my power ranks and they get a bounce or two they could get to 10 wins and get in or they don't get a bounce or they have some flaws they could win seven you know
1: yeah, I look at some of the quarterbacks, too, that the Steelers beat last year to get to the record that they did. You know, you yeah. look at their wins. Huntley was one of them. Baker injured was another. Geno Smith. Uh, Jared Goff, like, uh, right. in his first year as a starter, um, Chicago's quarterback. I keep Fields. To see, see, yeah, yep. Fields. I keep I'm confusing the two Ohio State guys. I almost call them C.J. Stroud. But, yeah, Fields. <laughs> uh, so, you you look at who they beat quarterback-wise – they got some breaks through injury. They, they just played some bad quarterbacks, too. Um, and I should have said beat, but tied Jared Goff. You know what I mean. So, like, mm-hmm. as they got to avoiding eight losses, uh, they hit some nice lily pads when it came to the quarterbacks that they faced. And I don't know if they're going to – I mean, just look at the first six weeks like we talked about. They get Burrow, Allen, and who else they get? Tom Brady in <laughs> the first six weeks. So, that's part of the reason why I think they're going to – be no better than 500 after the first six and why people might be thinking about Kenny Pickett at that time.
0: Yeah, oh, I can see that. I mean... Bridgewater uh,
1: they beat last year. That team has Russell Wilson now. That's another one that comes to mind.
0: I don't have this number in front of me because, you know, I do this stat pack for the Steelers and I didn't throw it in there because it's on Steelers.com and I didn't want to make them look particularly awful, although a lot of these (laughs) stats do make them look bad. But somewhere I'll find it. But in a nutshell, it is... They lost... I mean, they barely beat the bad teams and they lost bad to the good teams, you, you know, and, and including quarterbacks is basically how their season went. And there's an art to winning close games and all that. But, you know, that's why I thought they weren't a legitimate playoff team last year. And the same's true with the Raiders. And I thought the Patriots were a bit of a fraud, too.
1: Matt, this is great as always to kick off the year. Glad we're doing it again. Look forward to your weekly appearances. Uh, usually, Matt will be posting on Thursdays or Fridays, uh, depending on how the schedule breaks for the Steelers in a given week. You know, they got all those you know, Thursday game early, midweek game here, the you know Monday night mm-hmm. games. So we'll dance around a little bit, but largely late in the week, Matt will be with us uh, to break down not only the Steelers game with the odds, but uh, all the teams on the schedule, we look forward to the conversations, Matt. Thanks for doing this again. And we look forward to the backyard brawl tonight as well. Enjoy it. Okay. Absolutely. It was fun, bud. All right, Matt Williamson, make sure you check him out on Peacock and Williamson, the drive on SNR, all the iHeartRadio platforms, DVE, ESPN, Pittsburgh, and more. And listen to the Pittsburgh city cast tomorrow. Mike Pursuta with us to look at college football as well as pro that's coming up Tomorrow here in the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.